This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to to Revelations chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, verse 2 through uh, 7. We're on a new sermon series, and I'm going to get there for a second here. Uh, It's right there. The red letters, the other red letters. You know, typically when we think of red letters, we think the words of Jesus and the the gospel. Uh, But these are the uh, other red letters uh, that were found in Revelation when Jesus talks specifically to seven churches. And so this morning, we... We're going to transition. We won't be able to finish the series uh, because we'll have Christmas uh, sermon series that lead up to Christmas, and then we'll finish up sometime in late January. I pray that you've been challenged with the message from the Lord's Prayer. You can always get those online if you've missed any of those. But the Lord's Prayer is a backdrop to uh, the letters to the churches. And so really to get a fuller picture of what is going on in this portion of the sermon series, I would go back, if you've missed any of the services, to um, the Lord's Prayer. Is, is the file under prayer? Okay. So let's read together, and I'm going to read from uh, L, uh, uh, Living Translation. Uh, yours might be different. I, I encourage you to keep your translation because it's a tad bit different, and it's good to get a different uh, nuance. Uh, Chapter 2, write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message. And this is Jesus writing. That's why the letters are in red. Uh, From one who holds the seven stars in the right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. So Jesus is going to, and we'll introduce these churches. It'll make more sense as we go through. I know all the things that you do. I have seen your hard work. Uh, Again, Jesus is talking about this one particular church in Ephesus, the first church. I've seen all your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars, and you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. For if you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. And anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to understand what you were saying to the church in Ephesus and, Lord, and what you are saying to us today uh, here at Mosaic Church. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help me, and, Lord, you would give us ears to hear. And, Lord, I pray, God, that none of us would fall prey to uh, thinking that I wish someone else would hear this message. But, Lord, that we would zone in, tune in, to what you want to say to us. 
We say thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. A friend of mine um, went to visit the city in Ephesus, and I've never been there, but what she told me was that she was overwhelmed with the size of the city. It was huge, and there was ancient buildings still standing there. She said you could still kind of picture uh, what uh, John, the author of Revelation, and uh, the, the buildings in the city of Ephesus. It's on the uh, western side of Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey. They even said that if, uh, she even told us that when she went to the amphitheater, she saw this massive amphitheater was just overwhelming. And then she said she saw where the gladiators uh, would fight, which is a sad testament of what people did for, for entertainment, to watch people fight and die. I think that's a testament of the culture when people are entertained to see people fight and die. So there was gladiators. And then there's this famous temple of Artemis. This, is, of course, is a rendition of it. The Temple of Artemis, one of the great uh, wonders, ancient wonders of the world. And so when we look at the Ephesus and the city of Ephesus, it was a city of about a quarter of a million people on western Turkey. But one of the things that is very, very sad if you go today is that you will not see any churches, Christian churches, that is. This is a picture of a church that had been transformed into an office space. It looks very similar to this place. I have a friend that lives in England, and they're just telling me they are shutting down Christian churches left and right. Left and right. Churches are being closed. Very shockingly that we were talking about the great churches in Revelation, but today... What they probably have is office space like this. Ephesus was a major Christian city in the sense that it was a center point where people would come and gather. And I'm not going to be able to finish our part one, uh, but I want us to get us uh, beginning here. But So uh, Ephesus had been the major center of early Christianity. Matter of fact, they had a very important meeting that was held there, one of the church councils in A.D. 431. But if you were to go today, there is, is no evidence of a church facility, church building. There are some Christians, but they are underground. And, and if you were one of the listeners, if you got, were able to listen to one of these letters when it first came out about the, uh, in Revelation, if you were one of the churches, it would be hard to fathom that one day in the future, there'd be no Christian church in that city. You know, uh, this is one of our uh, one of the more famous icon churches, iconic churches in Tallahassee. This particular facility, it's been around for a long time. It was built in 1949. Originally, the original church builders of this church was uh, now the church is called Christian Heritage. There's a, a little marquee on the outside of this building on this side. Just look at the wall. You have to look behind the bushes. But uh, some of the other marquee churches in town would be First Baptist downtown or First Presbyterian or uh, First um, Methodist Church downtown, all those. But can you imagine that one day that all these iconic churches, church buildings, 
wouldn't exist down the road. It'd be a sad day. It's hard for us to imagine what they are hard, you know, finding hard to imagine, that one day there'd be no church in the future. So when we read chapter 2, uh, we know what the backdrop is, you know, we know what the future is going to hold, that it came true. The scriptures we just read came true. I know the, all the things you do. I see your hard work and your patience. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who are apostles, but they are not. And you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back. Turn back and do the works you did at first. But if you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. It's a very serious word. Uh, if you're new to Mosaic, what we normally do here at Mosaic Church is we let the word determine the topic. So I'm not around trying to figure out what the topic is and then try to fit the word in. So we, that's why we do uh, sermon series. That's why we do a whole book of Daniel, a whole book of Esther. We do uh, if, um, Philippians, and we go on and on. And we've done uh, the uh, first parts of, um, of Romans. And so we let the scripture determine the topic. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about, uh, months ago, we talked about how sometimes it's easy for us to go into theological sweet tooth. You know, we sing songs, and they were awesome songs. Bryce, our team is doing awesome, and I appreciate it. I felt God's presence, and uh, this is no, no shade on, on, on Bryce. But all our songs really are about grace and love and, you know, uh, just grace and love, right? It just seems like they all go there. But here we're talking about uh, repentance. You know, there was a song in the 80s, uh, it was a Christian song that talked about holiness. I mean, we don't hear that anymore and about repentance. And so today we're going to be talking about something that the scripture is mentioning about repentance and turning away and turning back. In the second chapter of Revelation, we see here that uh, John is an Asian minor, and he's talking about Turkey. And the seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum. I have a hard time with the next one. Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And they all kind of have a common theme. They all talk about how good certain aspects, there's one that there's nothing good about the church, but typically there's good, and then oh, these are things you're doing well, but here's one thing I'd like for you to, to focus on to each church. So there's a promise, and then there's a warning. And when the book is written about Ephesus, there is, I believe, not every, every church has the same, even though it's kind of the same pattern, but each church has its unique situation. This is the backdrop. This was in this city. Now, I joke around when I, uh, people come to visit and they've never been to Tallahassee. I, I always kind of set up, I want to take you where everybody goes to church, which is not true this year, but typically every year it's true. I want to go where everybody, I'll show you this, largest church in Tallahassee. So I take them down Pensacola to the very end of Stadium Drive and I show them the stadium. And so... Um, but this year's not the case. 
But this was in the backdrop. So I think uh, John, when he writes Revelation, and, he, and he's talking about uh, the church specific, Nephesus, this is the backdrop. And you don't see it in this picture, but there's a tree that was part of the backdrop or part of the, this temple grounds. And some of the old coins that you would find about the city of Ephesus, you would see that there was this tree. And it's, it is said about this city and about this temple that if you were able to get close enough and that you would get near this tree, that you could find asylum. That a criminal, if he can weave, weave his way through from before getting caught, and if he found himself on this piece of property near the tree, he was safe. There was an asylum for him, that he would not be persecuted. And so when we read in Revelation chapter 2, we just, we just read the ending of that verse in verse 7. He talks about here, it says, paradise to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. That's the backdrop. Someone from Ephesus would recognize the similarities. But, there is a but, paradise is not just for uh, people who are seeking asylum of unrepentant criminals. It is for those who repent, and it says in verse 5. God has always intended to reunite his, his people, his creation, to himself through Jesus. And this is one of the main points that is found here in this part of Scripture. So when Jesus is walking through the church, basically, and I do find it unique. He's not talking about a particular person, but the church. So get this. If you're part of the church... We're all linked. You know what they say, uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. We're all linked. That's why we're always challenging, uh, you know, our worship team, to, you know, to, to use inclusive words like us and we, because we're all, all connected. You know, when we sing the song, and I don't know the exact song, like, uh, basically, you've never let me down. Let's be honest, just raise your hand. Have you ever thought, well, I've been kind of let down. I'm raising my hands, all right? All right. <laughs> this is our Western individualistic kind of mindset. We think every promise has, it's, it's for me, you know? But it, it isn't. It's, you know, a lot of times the promises that we read were for a specific time and purpose and group of people. Now, we are now his, uh, part of his family, you know, we have, been, uh, we have been adopted into the family. So a lot of the promises do relate to us. But in, it's, we can't specifically say it's for Mario. You know, the, one of the challenges that sometimes Christianity uh, people do is they, they oversell. Like, everybody needs to walk in healing. Well, my right ear is proof that I'm not healed. But that doesn't mean I'm not right with God. Back to this church situation here is that this is the backdrop. And so there's, the, the Bible talks about paradise and being united with God in Christ. But it comes to those who live according to his standards. And there's repentance. So when Jesus is walking through the church, if you will, 
He says this, you've worked hard. You've been patient under threat of persecution in verse 3. And you've drawn a line between those who are following, really following Jesus and those who are not, those so-called apostles. The second thing, though, it says, which is a challenge for us and for me as church leaders, you lost sight of the balance between love and truth. This is where mercy comes in. We lose sight. They lost sight between the balance of truth and love. It's so hard, isn't it? Some of you are parents. You you recognize, you know, where is that fine line where mercy and grace crosses over? You know, where is that line where you want to be gracious and, and helpful to someone, but then you're wondering, are you enabling them? I don't know where that line is. And sometimes, for those of us who love lines, we're going to always lean towards truth at the expense of love. Jesus talks about that. But they lost sight of the balance between love and truth. There's often a delicate balance that needs to happen. And it seems here in Ephesus that they were super concerned for the truth, but they lost their first love. They could tell you who were the hypocrites, who were the heretics, but they didn't know how to love their neighbor. They didn't know how to love Jesus. Jesus says in verse 4, Yet I hold this thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. Dr. Christopher's here, but Dr. Heidi is preparing for a concert today right now, so she's not here. And I've mentioned this in the past, that some students get frustrated at her because they say, you failed me. And she would say, no, I didn't fail you. You failed yourself. You didn't live up to the standard. I imagine you run into that, uh, Eric, in classroom, Michael, that there's a standard, and a student either lives up to it or he doesn't. And so that's the thing. I'm, I'm wondering about what is Jesus' standard for the church of Ephesus? What is the measuring stick that he's using? And if we look at the Lord's Prayer, we know that Jesus lived out his mission, his life before Israel and the world. He's the one that's coming, who comes to prune Uh, clusters of grapes. He comes to chop down trees. Why? For further growth. So Jesus is the one that's coming through, and he is going to determine about the church in Ephesus, where have they done well, and where have they not done well, and where repentance has to happen. I don't know if you know this, but in the United States, Around 4,000 churches are closed every year now. Now, to be honest about that number, it's kind of like uh, in, in Chi Alpha days, everybody said like um, 70% of college students would fall away from their faith, and then you kind of repeat it. 
And then you realize, like, where did that number actually come from? And then you realize nobody knows. We've just been repeating it for so long. And it goes way back, but nobody's actually done a, a real study. But it sounds good, right? It, it, it sounds good because it makes the point that we're trying to make. So the 4,000, we're not 100% sure if that's the case. But it sounds, from what we can gather from the information that we get, which is not a lot of information, that's about right. But there could be a zillion reasons why 4,000 churches are closing. And it's not necessarily because, you know, they're being rebellious and it's a dead church. There's all sorts of reasons. But we know that there is no church in Ephesus. And so Jesus is going to walk through the church of Ephesus and he's going to bring his measuring stick and he's going to determine where they've done well and where they have not. One of the things that we have to be very purposeful, and that's why we have baby dedications, and I've changed what I've said the past few baby dedications, train up a child, you raise them up the way they should go, teach them about fearing the Lord and living for God, because if you don't, somebody else is going to indoctrinate your kids. So, you know, we kind of live in this world where it's like, you shouldn't indoctrinate kids, let kids... Let me tell you something. Some, it's, a, it's a vacuum that will be filled. And I think of the Israelites when they, they would circumcise a child at eight days. They are training up a child. They are saying, you are Hebrew. And Jesus is calling us, train up children the way they should go. And don't leave it up to people downstairs. We only got 30 minutes with them once a week. It's you at home. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Every person knew that. And then in Matthew chapter 22, it says, verse 27, Jesus says, You should love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he goes on to say, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to see what the standard is. We need to see what the standard is. And Jesus accepts nothing less from his disciples, from his body, his church, so the question is, if Christ was to come and do an audit at Mosaic Church, he was going to audit you and me, where would we stand? Where would we stand? So the, still the question is, well, what's the measuring stick? What is, what is the measuring tool that he's going to use? In Revelations, again, chapter 2, remember the height from which you have fallen. So they were at a certain place and they fell. Go back, repent, and do the things you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from the place. I'm going to pause here for a second, but the lampstand, it's, it's not too hard to understand. A lamp is designed to what? To shine light. 
And in the temple of the Holy of Holies, we, they would have lamps in the back that would shine on the Holy of Holies. And if the lamp didn't work, they would just go and take it out. It's no longer serving its purpose. It's like salt that's lost its saltiness. And so even though this church was doing great things, they could determine what was right theology, what was bad theology. They had lost their first love. Repentance means to turn back. And when you talk to an Israelite or a Hebrew about repentance, it was related to a, it's a form of exile. Come back home. Now, you, you've been far. You've been away from home. Turn back and come back home. I love what uh, Christopher talked about uh, in the song that we sang. One of the, the neat things about the prodigal story, which we read a few uh, weeks ago on the Lord's Prayer, is that the son doesn't just leave a location. You know, it's not like he, he was in... He was in um, Tallahassee, and he ran away to, to Pensacola. No, what he was doing, he was running from the Father. He was running from the Father. And so when he came back, it wasn't he was coming back to Tallahassee or to the house. He was coming back to the Father. You know, the Father could have moved, set up another place. And that's where the Son was coming back to the Father. It's funny, every time we're, we're, we're in a, a mode of rebelliousness, it's, we're moving away from the Father. We don't want him nearby. And Jesus is weaving his ways through. He's auditing the Ephesus church. And he's warning them, remember the height from which you've fallen. And repent means literally turning back. I want to challenge us next time, um, next week, I'll be continuing this. I'd like for us to think about it. Read uh, Revelations chapter 1 and 2 and begin to say, Lord, where, where am I in my relationship with you? Where's, how am I doing in that measuring with you? And so if I'm talking about repentance, which I am, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. That's not my goal. But I'm trying to get you to measure, not to somebody else, at least I'm not like that person, or at least I'm not like this person, but Jesus' standard. And he gives us, he tells him right away, he says this, and we'll finish with that. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You know, my grandkids, we're going to end here. My grandkids can do no wrong. I'm serious. It, it, has, it has literally uh, opened my mind a little bit. When my little Emmett takes a quarter while I turn my head for a few moments and shoves him in my CD player slot, my first response was, this kid's a genius. <laughs> he knows how to put these little round coins into the slot. At his age, he's a genius. If I would have gone back 20 years, I would have whipped the tar out of any of my three children for doing that to my car. I absolutely love my grandkids. 
they can do no wrong. But I imagine it's not always going to be like that. I imagine there's going to be a time where they're going to grow up, and I'm going to, I, I can't imagine it yet, but I'm going to feel like they're doing something wrong. I, I know it. But right now, they're little. They're little. They're young in their life. They can do no wrong. But as we grow up, they can do wrong. And I believe that when God is talking to us in, in Ephesians, he's challenging us. Some of us are brand new believers, and, and you, you just gave your life to the Lord. There's a whole different element of grace and mercy. But some of us have been following him for a while. And if we can't love our neighbor, that's wrong. If you can't love someone who has some idiosyncrasies, that's wrong. And Jesus is saying that about his church. You have fallen. You don't love me. You don't love each other. So the question we'll have next week is, what's the standard that he's looking for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for our friend David Benneby. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd bless him, encourage him. Lord, give him ample opportunities to share your word with those that he comes in contact with. Lord, we thank you for our church here at Mosaic Church. I pray, God, that a blessing upon each one of us. Lord, I pray that all of us this week would begin to measure our life to your standard, to what you are looking for us. And Lord, we're all united. So that's why we need to encourage one another. Spur one another to good works. We're all related. We all are linked. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your goodness and your kindness. Be with us. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.